Hey, have you been, um, Philip even God, have, have you been sort of socially engineered into not speaking the name of Jesus? And if you have been socially engineered into that, um, did you think about why? Now, see, this is all connected to news. It is because we've been socially engineered into saying things like, oh, no, the, 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 the election. No, no, there's no hacking. We've been socially engineered into staying quiet on things. And in the separate country of Washington state, they're trying to make it official. They're trying to ban the, the, the name of Jesus from prayers in their house of representatives. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. I said it in the tease. I mean, I think that there are people who, well, believe in God, but won't speak his name, Um, particularly if you live in separate countries like Seattle. And there's a whole bunch of things we've been socially engineered into saying, and I'm done. I mean, well, I've been done for a little while. One of the reasons we went to podcast format is I want to be completely done when I think a thing is warranted to be said. I want to be able to say it. So let's start again with this. I am not done with this. I'm not going to get anywhere near to being done with this. And that is that the, uh, the, the, the fact that Hillary Clinton's team, and it does appear to be a fact, I don't think John Durham is going to lie in an event like this. Uh, he'd be a fool uh, to, to then, I guess, perjure himself because he'd actually get punished. Only the FBI gets to go lie to the FISA court and not get punished, and they, and they can lie twice and not get punished. He, John Durham's not going to have that sort of treatment. He, he won't get to lie that way. He'll be be punished. But the fact that they hacked the DNS servers to the White House, and yet the story is Donald Trump flushing documents down a toilet, which is the accusation that Trump flushed documents down a toilet. He definitely ripped things up. Um, And I think he's admitted to that. So they're being taped back together to be put into the National Archives. And Trump very correctly points out that in public, Nancy Pelosi tore up his speech in public. And of course, there was no no concern about, oh, destruction of public records act. And but the story is that that's what the mockingbirds are producing. The Democrats with their predictable team of people I consider evildoers, Perkins Cooey, who surfaced as a monstrosity four or five years ago. That their attorneys are apparently tied up into this, according to, the, to these reports. They hacked the DNS traffic at the White House so that they could they could go in and produce a a further lie that Trump is tied to Russia. But they they would never hack the elections. And I'm sorry, but I feel like it's been a pretty successful shutting up of people who will question the, the elections. I, I, I don't have time to listen to a lot of radio or a lot of podcasts. I know there's some people who still talk about it, but are you kidding me? To hack the White House is to hack the nation. That's our place of business. It was never Donald Trump's. It was never Barack Obama's. It's ours. That's where we put our chief executive we hire to do our, to do our work. And they hacked it. And this hasn't shattered windows at news organizations. There are no reporters screeching to get to the bottom of this story. How is that possible? Well, it's, impo- it's possible because they've installed the propaganda of silence. How is it that this isn't the number one thing? I mean, there's a whole bunch of stories. We mentioned this in the five-minute focus. There's a whole bunch of stories to draw our attention The truckers have shown how serious it is if working people stop working in Canada. So you have in Paris, you have tanks rolling, you had heavily armored uh, troops 
in Canada. I guess Trudeau will use violence, so he didn't gladly have to have them shoot anybody. But they've surfaced that what happens if the working people stop working. And I hope everybody takes that as a hint. If you'd like this to be over, be prepared to sacrifice. So that story is huge. The story that that Iran has now announced, oh yeah, we're just a couple of things away from having a nuclear bomb. That's huge. Of course, Ukraine matters, particularly to the Ukrainians. I don't want to see Ukrainian loss of life. I don't want to see Russian loss of life. And I can't get myself to think that the United States has a big interest in being over there. I'm sorry, I can't. I get it. I understand the situation with the fuel. I understand all that. I also understand that the party wants the United States of America to not produce its own petroleum, as is evidenced by the fourth term of or third term of Barack Obama and Joe Biden coming in and dismantling the progress the United States in made in becoming a net exporter of oil. So there's all sorts of stories to talk about. We can talk about Pfizer's retreat. We can talk about the stock they're selling off. I'm not done with that. Or the Moderna CEO and another Moderna executive together dumping $2 billion in stock or near about, about $1.9 billion. They're dumping that and, and profit raking at the same time as Pfizer retreats from injecting children with this nonsense are clearly the, the Super Bowl. In fact, we talked about that. We talked about that in the last segment or the last episode, 56 hour one. And never let them forget what they did to our kids and what they're doing to the small businesses and, by the way, to churches. And I don't think any of that is um, as happenstantial. We can talk about all of these things. But the point is, if you can't talk about a political party that is so craven, that has such a lust for power, who will hack the White House, if you can't then connect the dots and say, but they would never, ever, ever hack an election like actually hack the votes, which is easy. By the way, which one is more likely to get caught? I would say that hacking the White House is more likely to get caught, get uncovered. And I'm, I'm thinking of this room where you have these Mark Elias type individuals and, and you have these, you know, these leftists. And, and apparently one of the people who is involved in this is, is one of the guys who went back to work at the State Department or worked for Hillary at the State Department. I mean, you just don't say deep state. So I think it's easier to get found or more likely to get found out in hacking the White House than hacking some individual elections. And so I'm thinking of these meetings where these conspirators got together. And I'm just imagining this meeting where they're talking about what they could do. So Jake Sullivan is one of these guys, um, sort of sabotage relations with Russia. They, they pushed a false flag story. He did. He's national security advisor now. Advising the figurehead on Russia. In response to a new report from State uh, from Slate showing that the Trump organization has a secret server registered to the Trump Tower that has been covertly communicating with Russia, Hillary for America senior policy advisor Jake Sullivan released the following statement Monday. This could be the most direct link yet between Donald Trump and Moscow. Computer scientists have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russia-backed bank. A hack illegally hacking Trump Tower, Trump's apartment building, and then later the White House, they kept spying on him in the White House. They claim uncovered this. That guy works for the State Department. Pardon me, that guy works as his national security advisor. But yeah, don't, don't say deep state. So I'm imagining this meeting where you have, you know, let's say Jake Solomon is there. And let's, let's, let's say that, um, and I'm making this up, but let's say that Mark Elias, the uh, attorney for the absolutely disgraced, what I consider to be a former law firm, Perkins Cooey, is there. And Hillary's dark op operators, let's say Fusion 360. And again, I don't know that they were there, but let's, I'm, I'm putting this room together of people we know who conspired with Hillary. And imagine that they're having this discussion. There's just some tools at their at their behest, things they could call in. So it's this would be in, in D.C., you would call this no pens, no notebooks, no devices. And meetings like this happen. 
and you're told in advance, you're not bringing a phone, you're not bringing a pen, you're not bringing a piece of paper, no notes, no devices, nothing. So you know you're going into a dark, dark ops meeting when that happens or that there's a threat of a lawsuit or someone's trying to protect somebody. So they would be in some nondescript conference room, probably somewhere up north of Virginia. And so it's a nondescript building. Nobody has any names. People walk in, they sit down, they have this discussion. They're certainly not going to do it where it can be wired. They're going to do it in a room that they think is safe. Do it in a restaurant where no one knows who they are, maybe way up in North Virginia. They sit down and they have this discussion. So they're talking about tools they could use. All right, so here's the thing. We have the dossier. Um, this is prepared. Should we take this to, I th- we need to put this in Republican hands. Should we take it to Mitt Romney or John McCain? Well, just take it to McCain because Romney will do whatever whatever McCain says he should do. Okay, so we'll take that to, to John McCain. Check um, who at the FBI could go and trap some people at the White House. Could we do that? Who could go do that? All right, so you guys, you got a couple agents there? Okay, so we'll go get, uh, let's go get that general. I always hated the look of him. Let's go get him. All right, so we're squaring that. We're going to do that. Let's keep pushing the Russia stuff. Can we make sure that we get the former heads of the intelligence agencies? Can we get them gigs at CNN and MSNBC so that they can go and and continue to pound this drum? Okay, we got that. Check. We're all agreed. Um, One of the things that we want to do is hack the White House. So here's what we've outlined is we want to go into the DNS servers of the White House and we want to hack them. And that way, what we're thinking we could do is maybe even plant a fake link between the White House and Russia. So that our like, let me explain it. Our our coders will go in and, and create a fake link between Trump's White House and Russia. Anyone have any concerns about that? And maybe there's some discussion. Maybe someone says, isn't it illegal to hack the White House? Well, come on now. We're Perkins Cooey or whoever we are. It's illegal. Only if you get caught. Plus, we're going to get cover. Everyone hates Trump. Orange man, bad. All right. So silly question. We don't care if it's illegal. Everything we've done here is illegal. We lied to the FISA court. That's illegal. Or we're getting ready to lie to the FISA court. All right. So we're going to agree on that. Uh, Now, what about hacking the voting machines? Absolutely not. And then everybody gets up and leaves. I, I am offended, sir. I am deeply offended that you said such a thing. I am walking out of this meeting. And everybody universally walks out, right? It, it's, not even, it's, not even, it's not even near to believable. That they'll go to that bridge, but not the other bridge. And yet, just like other things that people have been beaten into not saying, and look at this, look, look. You don't need to look any further than find me a shiny shoe Republican who's ready to frog march the CEO of Pfizer in front of them and CEO of Moderna and set them down and say, uh, so about the money that you forced the American taxpayer to give you by conning us, how are we going to be getting that back? Any, any, any answers? Find me the shiny shoe Republican who's even willing to admit that these injections have been catastrophic. Find me the shiny shoe Republican who's willing to admit that the lockdowns are catastrophic to the mental health of children and the people's lives. Does, Does such a shiny shoe exist? In, in Republican leadership? No, because they've been beaten out of saying these things because you look hysterical or you look like you're going against the public health authorities or you're, you're speaking against the magic word vaccine. We cannot stop demanding that Hillary Clinton and her entire team face justice for this or I was going to say or they'll do it again. They're doing it again. You think that these things aren't in planning stages now? And so if you think about the monumental evil, and I'm sorry, I I am not going to pretend this is just politics. I'm not going to pretend it's just good guys and bad guys. This is monumentally evil. That you lie about a president being a Russian plant, and then you go around and you hack his White House. It's monumental evil. And you know who told us this? I don't I think there's some justice to the fact that we're learning about this during the week that will what 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 day is it? 
Um, this will be leading up to the day, the, the one-year mark point from when Rush Limbaugh went, went to God Almighty. Rush warned us about this. Was it the 14th? Yeah, four days from now. Actually, three days from now. I, I believe Rush died on the 17th. So three days from now will be a mark in a point. One year since Rush passed. Who told us that the Clinton crime family was the most potent and, uh, and, and most virulent crime family in the history of politics? Rush did. Who told us the moment Russia came out? The second they started floating this, Rush went and said, this is a hoax. I guarantee this is a hoax. And by the way, he was the only one who came out that strong on that day and said it. So even from heaven, he's right. And even from heaven, he was right about the fact about the, the, what they would be willing to do and what we're going to find out about what they did. So this is yet another litmus test. Let's take this test. Can anyone undertake these things and not be an evil person? The answer is no. Here's another litmus test. Find me a member of the party that was not involved in this. The party is academia, media, tech, big pharma. Who am I forgetting? Deep state. That's that's the party. Who's not involved in this? You say, oh, pharma's not involved in the hacking. Okay, who benefited from it? $36 billion of benefit to Pfizer because they did everything they could, including hacking the White House, to insert the figurehead to continue to carry out the wishes of Barack Obama, who probably runs the party. See, the party is the perfect description for this. Pharma knew what they were purchasing. They knew the road plan. They, they, when Obamacare was passed and they started installing it, you don't think pharma foresaw a day where they would create medical passports? They were building the data structures then. They were building the back end then. These doctors walking into your to the room in which you're being treated to to go through question after question. The lamppost that you ran into was it was that a freestanding lamppost or was it connected to a building? When you were bit by the turtle, was the turtle fully in the water or was part of the turtle outside the water? Those are real questions from Obamacare. This massive data push, they knew the roadmap. Pharma bought Obamacare. And the party bellied up and now is going to hide what Hillary did. Now, let me bridge into this. This is the same party who they did it three times. Three times they denied the name of God at their party. There was an effort to ban the name of God from the Democrat National Committee. Three times. Three times they had to vote and then kind of rigged the vote so that they could still say, God, their people wanted it banned. And by the way, biblically, three times, if, you, if you're a Bible reader, you understand the significance of three times. How else do you explain this level of monumental graft and greed and hubris? And, and it's just, it's, it's rotten, plain evil. How else can that be explained? Well, the evil part of this. I've been telling people for uh, seven or eight years that the separate country of Washington, what has become a separate country, it wasn't then, it's become one now. The separate country of Washington is the test case for all this stuff because the dictator of Washington state is the most greedy, avarice, and average man in all of politics, Jay Inslee, in fact, below average. Intelligence-wise, but in terms of raw, naked, stinking ambition and brutal, brutal, willing to be absolutely brutal, Jay Inslee is it. Well, his party in Washington state is attempting to ban the name of Jesus 
from appearing in prayer. There these ecumenical prayers and, you know, Muslims get to pray and Jewish people get to pray and, and people get to mention the name of Christ Jesus. Not anymore. Not if they have their way. Ah, into this. What was the, um, I was thinking about Willy Wonka. And so shines a good deed in a weary world. My friend John decided to do a good deed for you, uh, for young people who are impacted by conditions uh, like uh, being on the um, the autism spectrum. So John's built himself a very successful life. He's a successful man, marketer, product guy, but he he has three sons. He loves all three, obviously, equally. Two of his sons are deeply impacted by autism. So he created Alan's Soaps, okay, Alan's Artisan Soaps. He did this for his boys, but he's extending it. Okay, Alan's Artisan Soaps are soaps made in America. They're made with all natural ingredients. They're small batch soaps. And John didn't just say, hey, I'll make soaps. He went around the country and found a family who's been making soaps for three generations and said, hey, work with me on this. I want to create a company for my boys, but I want to create a model company that helps others who are impacted by autism experience the dignity of work. And what's been born is actually a fantastic soap product. There's three scents, vanilla, lime, lavender, rosemary. That's a mix. That's uh, my wife's favorite. Cedarwood, jasmine, that's mine. And watermelon, basil is another of their flavors. These are all, I'm not flavors. Don't eat them. Don't, don't, don't. They're not Tide Pods. They're not delicious like Tide Pods. They're to wash your body. Um, 100% all natural ingredients. And they each come with a story and a picture of Alan so you can see him working. He does his homework. He works every day at Alan Soaps. It makes him so happy. And the, the plan with um, Alan's Artisan Soaps is to create this as a model to help other people impacted by autism have work like this, dignified work. And get this, this month right now for every bar of soap sold, $1 goes to the Special Olympics. It's super easy to take advantage of this. Just go to allensoaps.com, A-L-A-N-S soaps.com. Buy one of the introductory gift packages. They're beautiful gift packages. Get all the soaps, try all the scents, and then just use my name, Todd, when you check out. That's T-O-D-D. Go to Allen Soaps. Use my name, Todd, at the checkout. So joining us now from Washington State, State Representative Jim Walsh, who is actually not afraid to speak the name of God or Christ Almighty. Jim, welcome back to the Todd Herman Show. Morning, Todd. Uh, you guys are fighting uh, an incredible battle there. It's well known that I have frustrations with um, leadership, uh, so-called, in in Republican circles in Washington State. I, I don't have that same frustration with you and, and Jesse Young, some other brave, um, godly conservatives. I, I got word that th- some Democrats there are persuading their bosses uh, to want to ban, effectively, the name of Jesus Christ, um, in any form of prayer uh, in Olympia. Is that what's going on? Yeah, it's really bad, Tom. Uh, every morning that we have a floor debate or floor action, it is traditionally we open with a prayer in the Washington State House, and that's a good thing. And it's a very, it's a very ecumenical, open-minded type of thing. We have, uh, we have Christian ministers, but we'll get Jewish rabbis. We've gotten... Um, Muslim clerics, we've got all kinds of people will come in and do the opening prayer. And it is normally uh, a very respectful thing and, and, and many mornings a very nice thing. Um, lately, uh, because of the uh, Zoom sessions, because we're not all live on the floor of the legislature, uh, we haven't been having the ministers or the clerics come in and do it. Uh, members, so actual legislators have been taking turns doing the morning prayer before we start. Uh, started out fine. This is what we did last session, too. No, no issues. Uh, then this session, uh, a couple of the radicals on the, uh, the Democrat uh, side of the aisle, their caucus, complained that some of the members who were making morning prayers during, during the session were invoking the name of Jesus Christ. And they were saying, uh, references variously, uh, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, or, you know, Jesus, help us, save us, guide us. Uh, things you wouldn't think would be greatly objectionable. Uh, they uh, complained, and it was just a small group of them we hear, uh, two or three of their members, complained to their leadership that invoking the name of Jesus Christ was offensive to them. <laughs> now, 
But Todd, we've had people, we've had some, going back to when we were having clerics do it, we had some controversial Christian or Muslim clerics come in and make the morning prayer. And in those cases, if a member really didn't like the, either the, 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 the prayer that was being made or more often just the reputation of the individual making the prayer, they would just step aside. They'd step off the floor of the house and stay in the wings. And that was their way to uh, express their, their opinion about that. Um, there was never an attempt to cancel a, a cleric who was making the prayer. We understood it was ecumenical and widespread and open. That was fine. This this is basically cancel culture is what it is. A handful of radical, angry people are putting pressure on their leadership to cancel prayers that mention the name of Jesus Christ. And um, it, it's just, it, it's silly and strange stuff, uh, Todd. I would say it's just silly, but it's also dangerous. And the real problem, Todd, is not that there are a handful of kind of extremists like that. It's that their leadership is kowtowing their leadership ought to say, well, if you don't like it, put it on mute or something or turn it off for a minute or something like that. Instead, they are putting out new rules uh, that are trying to limit what a person can say during their prayer. That didn't go well. So now they're changing it so that members aren't doing the morning prayers anymore. Uh, Staffers are doing the morning prayers and staffers uh, are more obedient, frankly, to the guidelines set up by the speaker, and they aren't mentioning Jesus Christ by name. Oh, see, Jim, I, I can I hear you saying it's silly. Um, I, I hear you, and I understand that. And yet, I want to remind people that this is also a Democrat party um, that passed a sex ed bill. Uh, shoved it down people's throats against massive objection. And either the day after or the day that passed, day after, because it passed at, you know, 2.30 in the morning or something. um, A so-called satanic church came to the steps of the Capitol and they poured uh, oils and uh, blood on the steps of the Capitol. And they said, we got our bill passed. And it wasn't a small group of people. It was a couple hundred people. And I got into a debate with a young woman who started out by saying, oh, come on, they're, they're not really Satanists. And they're not really, you know, you're just overreacting. You don't get the, the irony and the humor in this. And that conversation devolved into her telling me, your God is dead. Our God wins. You're scared because you see you see the king of of uh, you know the earth, the Satan rise. She she completely unmasked herself, um, and I, Jim, I was freaked. I mean, I had to go pray all night about this. I was freaked out. So um, I'm not ready to say that some of these people uh, haven't been completely consumed by evil. Well, you're right. I mean, we need to be concerned about, but. We don't need to be afraid of them, Todd. I'm concerned about them the way I would be concerned about one of my children if he or she were making a bad life choice or something. They're, they're lost souls. I mean, I, 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 I don't want to say pity. I, I, feel, I feel compassion for them. I, I think they will in their lives eventually turn it around, but we see them at their moments, which I assume will be low moments in the retrospect of their lives. Uh, <laughs> You know, I hope Jesus so. Christ isn't going anywhere. Yeah. You know, he's in our hearts. Yeah. He's in our minds. You know, we can make silly rules. We can try to minimize him. But the strength of God is that God is eternal. <laughs> he's not going anywhere. You know, the salvation he offers people isn't changing. It's eternal. It's, it, it, is, it is a constant. And, and these these things that people do to try to buck against it, revolt against it. I mean, we all know what it is, Todd. They're, they're broken, sad people. They've had bad experiences in their lives that make them cynical, make them negative about what life is in this experience. And they, they find a, a kind of uh, uh, satisfaction in their anger and brokenness in, in denying uh, it. 
we're all creatures of God, Todd. I mean, we all find our way back eventually. Well, and, I mean, and, so, so, no, we, we don't all find our way back to God. I would say this, every knee's going to bow, right? Some of us will take, will, will bow um, in heaven in the presence of, of, of King Jesus. Uh, some people are going to spend eternity on their knees realizing, oh, he really is King Jesus and I really messed up. And uh, if these people don't change and uh, look, Jim, I'll join you in praying for them. Um, and, and it's hard for me because what they're doing to our country, I want to talk about that. I'll join you in praying for them. But no, not not everybody is going to come to God. Well, I, I guess I mean, I believe they do, whether the right way or, or the painful way or the bad way. I mean, I, I prefer to think that everyone while here on in this plane of existence is savable, can be saved. I mean, but we can't, we can't force salvation on people. It has to be in their minds and it has to be in their hearts. And I think that, you know, when I hear about this handful of people in Olympia complaining that they hear the name Jesus Christ in a prayer, in a prayer, I'm not, I'm not angry at that. I'm not intimidated by that. They're sad people, and we need to help them see a better way to to work through their sadness, and uh, you know, and and we'll do that with reason. We'll do that with compassion. Um, but you're right. You're right. Some will never be saved. Some some are determined to destroy themselves, and that's a sad thing. Yeah. But we can't make policy. We can't make law answering every complaint of someone who's determined to destroy themselves. Right. We can't, we can't, I, it's like what the other side tries to say. They want to pull us to the low road. You know, they want to hack our computers. They want to steal. They want to lie. Yeah. They want to dissemble. We just will, will rise despite all of that. We will stay constant. We will engage yeah. and we will try to do what's right. And, and do it happily. So let's talk about uh, policy in just a second. Jim Walsh is with me, uh, Washington State Representative. I want to talk about how this um, anger, this frustration, this sadness, what I think is people who are uh, stolen by evil, uh, manifest in policies and lies. You mentioned the hacking. We talked about, uh, oh, Hillary will hack the White House, but hacking elections, that's a, that's a bridge too far. Uh, we'll talk about that with Jim Walsh in a second. If this is the sort of discussion you enjoy because it doesn't happen everywhere, this would be one to share with friends who are, friends who are saying, where are people who would bring God back into the equation? Where are people who have mentioned Christ Jesus um, in a discussion of politics, uh, let alone on a House floor, let alone in the separate country of Washington State? We're finding the most potent way that people gain, I mean, start listening to the podcast is by friends. So take this episode, email it to 10 friends. You guys doing that landed this podcast um, on episode 53. We went into the top 200 for the entire world um, on Apple's podcast, um, top 200 for the entire world. Uh, and that is a phenomenal thing. And I, I thank you wholeheartedly for that. If we'll continue to promote the show, it'll continue to grow that way. So just email this episode off. You think these things are important uh, and should be discussed. So, Jim, I, I was talking, obviously you heard that about uh, Hillary Clinton and her team hacking the DNS servers of the White House and and that mayhem, that lie in Washington State, in California, um, in, in, up and down the coast. Let's start down in California and, and work our way up to Washington State. Gavin Newsom wants to make California the abortion capital of the world. He wants to pay people to fly in. He wants to give them a California vacation so they can kill a baby. In Washington State, one can fly in and purchase children. With, with no background checks, the Democrats have made that legal that you could fly in some desperate, desperately poor women from Thailand, land them in Washington state, go through the process of impregnating them, have the children born, wa- walk in, fly in, take possession of the children, you know, eight, 10, however many you like, and purchase them. So when I say I'm afraid, I'm not afraid that Jesus doesn't win. Uh, I'm afraid for the souls in between then and now who are who are being affected by the evil uh, of the party? I mean, those those two acts I just described, Jim. Those are unmistakably evil. 
and there's more. Um, the the bureaucrats at the office of the superintendent of public instruction have supported uh, a, a sort of splinter group of Black Lives Matter movement that focuses on schools and uh, has an explicit part of their uh, curriculum and agenda for putting uh, classes into schools, K-12 schools, uh, the destruction of the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, we had a bill that just passed the House. It's not law yet, but it's heading toward it. That allows uh, abortions to be performed by people who aren't doctors, by other health care providers. Uh, this is... Uh, this is cynical. This is, it, they wear the, the cloak of humanism, but it's not humanism. It, it, it's cynicism. It's anti-humanism, in my opinion. Uh, uh, it is a contempt for human life, uh, for children's lives, uh, for, for the, the, the things like the nuclear family that are the foundational block of, of our communities and our, our culture. Uh, it is nihilistic. It is, you know, it is a death cult. There's no surprise to any of that. Um, uh, but again, Todd, I mean, I, I believe people come to these beliefs because of pain, because of brokenness, because of emptiness in their lives. And uh, it's not the government's role to fix that, but it is the government's role to create a system that allows that to be fixed and that allows individuals and churches and, and maybe non-religious organizations to help solve those pains and, 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 and fix what's broken in people like that. But I don't think it's the government's job to fix what's broken in people. I think the government needs to be neutral as one of our Supreme court judges back in DC once said the neutral umpire who calls balls and strikes. That's what you want government to be. You want it to stay out of your life as much as possible and allow you to fill the blanks in, allow you to be an agent of change or an agent of, of cure of, of healing to your neighbors, your family members who may be broken, may be hurting. Um, and we have to, and the government should do nothing to prevent that from happening. Uh, what we have is broken and pained people who are trying to use the levers of government to interfere with the church's ability to help people heal well, uh, or right. an individual person. Right. And let's talk about that because this, this um, I was, I, I've never, you know, I didn't run shrieking from the room and I'm not asking for them to be taken off of Twitter, but I was so deeply offended uh, by a tweet that the Washington state GOP put out um, uh, featuring two of your colleagues, uh, JT Wilcox and John Braun. And it stated that Republicans are fighting back against the mask mandate 700 days into this. They sent a letter to Jay Inslee and characterized that as fighting back. And I, I just found that, farcical, uh, honestly, Jim, um, because we know that, and I think you've had, you know, data that shows this, that Jay Inslee is a liar. He has no idea how many people have died from COVID or ever had it. His department of health has no idea. Um, and that data is very clear. Um, I am a two-part question, I guess. Number one, um, do you think that they purposely used cover of COVID to destroy churches uh, because they did. There's churches that are dead now, just like small businesses are dead. Um, do you think they purposely did that? And number two, um, do you think Jay Inslee lied on a massive basis about what he knew about COVID deaths and COVID infections? Yes. No, he, he's lied and, and, uh, and repeatedly lied. Um, do I think that they use COVID as a cover to destroy churches? Yes, I do. I don't think destroying churches was first on their agenda, but it was on their agenda. And uh, I think they saw COVID as uh, a powerful tool, which it was and is, for advancing uh, a a political agenda that is autocratic, uh, uh, socialist in name, uh, but really not, I mean, socialism is always a a kind of an empty uh, cup. Um, What they really are is autocrats what they really are is totalitarians yeah and uh, 
uh, and uh, they can call themselves left, they can call themselves right, I don't care what they call themselves, they're totalitarians. Um, it was that that drives it, and as you know, there is nothing that a totalitarian fears more than a church. Uh, a church encourages uh, a perspective that's broader than our human existence, and you know, that is the greatest threat to totalitarians who are materialists and, uh, and, and it is, um, sunlight to a vampire. And, uh, when they can get rid of, uh, when they can get rid of a, a church, they will. Now, um, you know, Inslee is a minor league version of a totalitarian. He is, uh, he's not an intelligent man, Todd. He's not a good man. He is an ambitious man, uh, and uh, his ambition is really all there is in him. I don't think there is a, an ideological or philosophical foundation in the man. I think he's a, he's a cog, he's a creature of uh, career uh, politicians and the political process. Uh, I don't think he sees deeply, so I don't think he means to uh, engage in a battle with the creator. I, I think he just looks at it as uh, a little step for his own edification. And if churches are damaged in the process, who cares? I think that's more of his perspective. That Todd is dangerous. Remember that the, the faces of these movements are often little men. Uh, the faces, the nominal leaders of these movements are not, Deep thinkers are not are not in control entirely of their actions and their agendas. Those are usually other people, and in the case of the governor, I think that's very true. His his influencers are the ones we need to we need to watch for, and that's in the nature of things. Todd, we've had one political party in control in the state of Washington for so long. There is a great deal of institutional decadence in the executive branch and other places in government. And we just need it. To, we need a, we need a, we need a Jubilee. Yeah. We well, need a, a fresh start to come in and clean everything yeah. out. I think there's a Jubilee coming. Um, I've said this. I think that there is, I know there's a revival coming. Um, I, and I believe that the, I believe the Holy spirit is at work in letting us seal this stuff. I mean, a lot of this stuff has been hidden, and I think giving them now where they think they have victory, uh, they're showing themselves remarkable ways. I think we need to be thankful for that. I do think there's a national revival coming. I want to talk about that with Jim Walsh. I, this show would really, one day I'll tell you the whole story about his role in helping us get to this point. Um, my friend Zach Abraham, the chief investment officer of Bulwark Capital Management, was instrumental in getting us um, a, a, a pretty quick start into this. Um, now, that's not the reason I endorse Zach. I wouldn't do that. I endorse Bulwark Capital Management because I know Zach is a financial advisor. Um, in these times where there's so many lies, look, six or seven years ago, Zach began talking about inflation consistently, hasn't stopped. He's talked about the 0% interest rates that the uh, the mobsters get. Um, he's talked about money printing. And it's his opinion, and it's me paraphrasing. You know, they do this stuff. Bonds are going to get crushed, all right? People have bonds in their portfolio. They're going to get crushed. Um, and it used to be that bonds were the safe investment, right? The safe portion of your investment. That, that may not be the case, right? So there's a couple of things. If your retirement portfolio is filled up with bonds or 40%, please get in touch with Zach. Please see if that's the right strategy, particularly if you're looking at early retirement. And let me explain this. This is so exciting. There are people who've realized, well, hey, their companies aren't going to stop demanding they get the injections. Boeing tried this and is, is succeeding. Some people got early retirement out of Boeing because they called Zach. Most of them got in touch with Zach, didn't think they could retire. Zach ran the numbers and said, not only can you retire, you're going to have a really good, comfortable retirement. Right. So that awaits you. So with that retirement portfolio, get in touch with Zach and see if he can help you with this. And imagine getting out of work early now and being able to go back to your boss and say, oh, you, you wanted to make me get injected? I got a better idea. I'm not going to work, and I, you can pay me to not work. So call 
Uh, Bulwark Capital Management, 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. The investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Uh, Bulwark Capital Management's investment advisor, representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. So Jim, I mentioned um, two of your colleagues, JT Wilcox and John Braun. And uh, I've had both gentlemen on JT a bunch of times. John probably won't come back. Um, But my question is, uh, with these guys, um, Jim is, um, is, is if you guys succeed in taking the house or, you know, taking power, so to speak, uh, are, are these guys, the leadership you need to go accomplish big things? It's an interesting question, Todd. Um, we, uh, we are used to being in the minority for so long. We've been living with this one party power for so long. I don't think any of us will know what it would be like if we do shift the tide. Um, so I think it'll be new for everyone. Uh, and, it, and, and it is natural that the leaders who bring you to a new majority stay on. So I wouldn't expect there would be a change immediately, but, but it will be a new world. It will be a new thing for everyone. And I, I think you may see some realignment of, uh, of leadership and of power dynamics. But I, I wouldn't want to jump too hard on change there, Todd. Uh, we all have frustrations with how things have gone, and we will have frustrations with how things go forward. Um, there are many ways to influence leadership. There are many ways to lead. Uh, you can lead with a title. You can lead by example you can lead with persuasion and uh, I will continue to, uh, to lead in every way I can uh, primarily through uh, example and persuasion. Yeah. Um, uh, but I don't want to scream for change before we get a change in the tide politically in Washington state. Let's get the change first and then let's see what happens. So, uh, and uh yeah, go ahead. Getting that change, Jim Walsh, uh, the change in the tide, um, 700 days of, of destruction, just theft of small businesses, theft of people who were surviving. I have friends who've had to sell their homes that were their investment homes that were their retirement because Jay Inslee stole their, their rent um, and did it for years. Um, you have cartels running wild. Uh, there in the separate country of Washington, you have Jay Inslee banning, wanting to ban any weapon with a removable magazine. Um, gangsters aren't going to follow that. Uh, you have um, suddenly, you know, the 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 concern the or we're we're fighting back against these masks. I only know you. Um, and a couple other representatives, Jesse Young amongst them, who actually, you know, well, I mean, Jesse Young's group sued. Um, you have spoken out about the quarantine centers that they, they're, they're still building, or maybe they've stopped, yeah. but they were still building. So I, here's, no, they're still doing it. Okay, so they're still building COVID quarantine centers. They still intend to lock people up for a virus with a 99.87% survival rate. And they're lying about the number of people who've died. They have no idea. So I guess if, if, if you get through the election, you gain control. Um, I will not consider this a success until I see some frog marches. I want the Department of Health people frog marched in front of you under subpoena and forced to explain how, when they have no idea who ever had COVID, how they ever published a number. Um, I want an explanation about who paid who. I want to understand what Big Pharma bought. I want Big Pharma brought in front of you. I want an explanation of uh, how is it that people are being forced to inject a drug that is actually not the drug that has emergency uh, has the, the, the emergency approval. That, that drug's not available in the United States. Jim, there's so much to answer. I know those are the big things. And then the, the smaller things in, in the state of Washington, I mean, in any other news cycle, they'd be enormous. Um, but until we get answers to this, uh, I would consider that a failure. Are, are you, is anyone there willing to bring these people before you and force them to answer these questions about what they have done to human beings? 
Well, I want the answers, Todd, but I'm not satisfied with the answers. I want to clean out the Department of Health of the 40 years of bureaucrat buildup that has created this monster that does mislead, that does manipulate statistics and health information, that does sit on data and wait to release data in a time that the bureaucratic structure there believes suits its purposes and its, uh, well, I don't even think the bureaucrats in these agencies consider the governor their leader. I think they consider the governor their, their puppet. I think they think they're the perennial power structure and that we, the elected people, are just passing through the system. That, that's the thing you have to understand, Todd, is the most discouraging thing about in, sort of institutional politics of any sort, and this is true in Olympia, it's true in D.C., is that the regulatory capture, the bureaucratic capture that has occurred is so vast that the people we think of as leaders, and I always encourage my constituents to not call me a leader and not call elected leaders, but they do. People want leaders. Yeah. The leaders are largely figureheads. The danger in our society, the danger in our government, is not only Mr. Jay Inslee, Mr. Joe Biden. It's that level of career collectivist, bureaucrat, dissemblers yeah. who, who thrive and who control the government narrative and who create the government narrative. That's where the real danger is. And we saw this some with the former President Trump, who did challenge that institution, that bureaucratic power structure. And while Trump made some mistakes, uh, mostly of tone in how he did that, uh, he was right more than he was wrong. And he was right to challenge that. And he made some headway in his term, uh, deconstructing, disassembling that power structure. But it's considerable, that, that power structure. And uh, it will take a while to, to break it apart and, and open up these state agencies, government agencies, to do what they're supposed to do, which is provide goods and services to yeah. the people of the state. Well, let's just uh, make sure that so that'll take some doing. Let's just make sure we don't say deep state. <laughs> I want to say something like that. That would be, you know, that'd be wrong. Uh, nothing. I, I don't want your podcast to get uh, oh, knocked I, down. I say it all the time because it is the deep state. <laughs> I call it the party, right? That's what I call it. This uh, the 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 media, tech, academia, um, and yeah, deep state. I mean, they, they're all rolled up into this, uh, and we're seeing it. And it, it it's the the bureaucracy is now spread into the unions. Uh, they're 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 unofficial bureaucrats. Uh, like this, you know, the so-called school unions, et cetera. So uh, this is why I like having you on. We never have conversations like this, Jim, uh, with other people. I, I'm just so appreciative of the intellect that God has loaned you um, and that you're willing to answer these questions straight. Uh, you have a huge battle ahead of you. Um, I'm going to be in prayer for you. Um, and you kind of convicted me this morning. I'm going to get on my knees and pray for these people in, in your state who are, <laughs> doing the work of the devil, whether or not they think he exists. Um, so, right. uh, and I'll look, I'll, I'll pray for a change of heart in Inslee. And if that doesn't work, I want God to strike that entire edifice out uh, or just come for us. Because actually I want option B. I'll just take come Lord Jesus right now. Uh, let's, I, 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 that would be my prayer. That, that would be easy, Todd. I yeah. think he expects more of us than that. <laughs> he wants us to fight the battle. All right. Jim Walsh has been with us, state representative, Washington State, um, brave truth speaker. Appreciate you coming on, Jim. We go with God's good grace. Thank you, Todd. Thank you so much. And, and same to you. I hope you, you do well and enjoy, enjoy your side of the fight. My side of the fight, yes. My portion of this. All right. God go with you, my friend. Thank you. You too. Be well. That is Jim Walsh, state representative, uh, Washington State. 
Remember this, it is a rare thing to have truth tellers like that. So let's be appreciative of this. One other just little truth note. We have a huge announcement on a new advertiser coming up this week. Um, it is a an advertiser that values God and country and team and right on their package. And it's not negotiable. You're going to be hearing about this. I'm teasing this in advance because that and another advertiser joining us. So we're starting to see the ranks grow. This is how you continue that success rolling is share the show with friends. So if you can do that through email, through social emails, particularly potent, we would appreciate that. I don't know how he keeps his temperament. (laughs) He's always very uh, intelligent, cheerful. I, I couldn't do the job. I couldn't. I could not exist um, and interact with people like Jay Inslee. I, I would have to be, I mean, I should be anyway, fully under control of the Holy Spirit. It'd be very difficult for me to not just absolutely lash out at Jay Inslee. Hey, my friend Dave the Digital is also a guy who uh, lives his life um, as a Christian man and as, an, um, as a conservative man. That's not news. I mean, given the the makeup of the show, you would think that's, well, of course, your friend Dave does that. Um, He's also the works in the tech world. So, I mean, you think politics. Well, I mean, politics is awful. We just heard from Jim Walsh. But the tech world is dominated by atheists. It's uh, not just atheists. People who have an active hatred of God. That's interesting to me. Atheists who hate God. That's always fun for me. But he could have gone to work at any of the big tech companies. He's got the mad skills to do that. Instead, for a couple of decades now, he's had Greenhaven Interactive. Loves to work with small and medium-sized businesses. And what he's been noticing is there's been some changes to Google's search algorithm. Right? So if your, if your business was showing up where it should when people search your name or search in your category, you should come up in the first page, the first you know couple of results. If that's not happening... That might be because of this change in the Google algorithm. So go check where your business is at. If it's coming up solid, you search your name and it's in the top five and you see it right away. You don't have to scroll. That's pretty good. Obviously, you want it to be at the top. If you search your category and you're coming up right there, okay, well, that's fair enough. But if you're not getting the respect you should get from Google search engine, don't pay them. Pay Dave. At Greenhaven Interactive, he and his team of digital people will get through. They'll show you why that's happening. They'll show you the fix. And then with your permission, they'll go about making the fix. Right. So just go to GreenhavenInteractive.com. Tell me, listen to the podcast. And uh, Dave works on the podcast. So he gets huge respect. Mad props. Feeling like one of the youngsters from the 80s. Remember when props was a big thing? Just go to uh, GreenhavenInteractive.com. It was in the... um, the early 80s that I met um, my my brother, uh, well, I mean, we're not related by blood other than the blood of Christ, but he was the guy who drew me uh, to the faith. He was also the guy who gave me permission to do some things that young men at that age didn't do. We did goofball stunts. I mean, I, I'm so ashamed of some of the things that we did as young men. Um, we drove down the freeway knocking over. Oh, I did. He didn't. Knocking over traffic cones because funny, funny, look what we did. Um, I showed him how to do. <laughs> I showed him how to. Um, I don't even think his parents know this. I got to drive the Suburban once when I was with my brother, Matthew, and I, I, he said, do you think you could do that thing where you drive really fast and jam on the brakes and spin around? And I said, oh, sure. A backup start? Yeah, sure. I'll do that. And did that in their Suburban, showed him how to spin it in a 360 uh, down the street on an icy, icy road. Clear enough, by the way, it was out in the middle of the field. Worst we could do is roll the thing. Uh, so, yeah, we had our times of doing nutty stuff. Oh, um, wall blasts. That's where you make yourself pass out. That's always good because you're killing brain cells and could really hurt yourself. So we did goofball stuff like that. But Matthew gave me something else, and that was the ability to see beauty, but also as a young man to express beauty. Now, see, that's a leap. To express beauty as a young guy growing up in Spokane, Washington, which was still sort of the woods. Idaho was definitely the woods right next door. And he got me to the point where I accepted something from a young man that I never thought I could accept and said a thing I never thought I would say. But the way he got me there was through music. 
Well, the way it happened, he wasn't getting me there. This wasn't a plan. It was just who he is because it's who his family is. And it's how he experiences God. Not just through music. I mean, he experiences God in a very um, studied way. But I would never think of when we began our friendship and, and started to talk deeper levels. We started to talk about music at deeper levels. What songs meant to us. What the lyrics evoked. I'm more of a lyric guy than he is, but he's more of a music guy than I was. And he would share, listen to this beautiful, listen to the strings in the background of this. You know, and now I think of his kids. He's got seven kids and I think three of them do music. And he would give me this gift of listening to music anew. And he had developed a theory that all artists are capable of writing a great song. Everybody. Doesn't matter who you are. If you're in music long enough, you're capable of writing a great song. So we would find these gems. And I tried to find this, this, another version of this Duran Duran song. I want to do a little bit of a music review on this. That, that this, this isn't a band that I'm going to go see in concerts, and I don't know that they play out anymore. I think they're all over 100, 100 years old or something. And it's the only Duran Duran song I would seek out. And in fact, it's just this one version of it that, that I seek out. And because, to me, it's the most meaningful version of a Duran Duran song that could ever exist. First of all, lyrically, it is a fascinating, wonderful pastiche. I think they're talking about fame. I think they're talking about being at the top of the top, but then you have to go home and, and your kids, you're just dad. You're not Simon LeBond, the superstar, but they're also talking about the ordinary world that exists before the troubles in the world, et cetera. To do this acoustically though, the, the, the version I had, I'm going to try to get to play, I believe was taken from a radio station play in, and I, I think I've had this copy since the days of Napster. Whoops. Did I say that out loud? I apologize. I think this was done at KFOG Radio. There's another, there's another version of this. And if this one won't play off my phone, I'll play the other version, which is an official acoustic version. I think they did that after this thing went so viral. But it's songs like this that I can talk about with my friend that got me in a parking garage in Spokane, Washington. In the summer of, let's see, it would have been the summer of 85 because we graduated in 86 in a parking garage in Spokane, Washington to not flee and run away when my friend said something to me that young men at the time were not to say to one another. Came in from a rainy Thursday on the avenue Thought I heard you talking softly Turned on the lights, the TV, and the radio. Still, I can't escape the ghost of you. What has happened to it all? Crazy summer say. Where is the life that I recognize? Gone away, but I It's almost a little awkward because you're so used to hearing Simon Le Bon caked in uh, reverb and later tone shifting to make sure that he was perfectly on key. So it's a little bit unfair. Also playing in a radio station, maybe didn't have great sound, etc. I love it. I love the humanity of it. I love later in this song, there's a lyric about a paper in the roadside tells of suffering and grief and ours is just a little sorrow talk. Never before that I have a friendship where I could talk about a song like that. Now that came out after that, you know, the eighties or that period of time when Matthew and I had that moment, but it's because we'd established a friendship where I could go to him and even play a country song. That was unheard of then. You can't like country songs and that he would work to find the beauty in that. Well, that we would sit and we would listen to uh, pink Floyd, but listen to the beautiful parts of it. Right. Both of us men now in our fifties, but we've never lost what he gave me. First of all, 
he brought me to the Lord, which is love. And then he expressed the love of the Lord to me in this parking garage. He'd been over visiting. They'd moved back to Seattle. I think he spent a week or maybe even 10 days at our house. I wasn't going to see him for my senior year. He was going his way. I was going mine. He told me he loved me. It's the first time a young man ever said that to me. My own father at that point had never said it to me, nor I him. Now, the instinct is a you know wrestler, football player, guy brought up to fear that sort of interaction with another man or young man was to be angry, embarrassed. But God gave us the gift of being able to say, or me, say, I love you too. I don't know that we embraced. (laughs) I don't know if we went that far. I think we gave each other a shoulder hug. But I don't think a phone call ends anymore. He with his busy life and seven kids and me with mine without telling each other we love each other. And that is, in fact, the face of God. If you are seeking the face of God, seek a Christian community of true Jesus needers and come to the body. I've never stopped experiencing that. I just didn't tell uh, any other one, any other friends. <laughs> Back then, I, just, I kept that to myself. I think I told my mom. She liked it. This is the Todd Herman Show. We appreciate your support. Now, please go be well, be strong, be kind, and as always, do be right with God.